Hello, and welcome to the Global Luxury Real Estate Mastermind with me, your host, Michael Valdez. Today's guest is somebody that I've known, oh my God, a really long time. <laughs> She's like a sister to me. Uh, she comes from an incredibly prestigious real estate family, is currently the managing broker for the state of Florida for Compass. Mercy Sayowitz, welcome to the show. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Michael. It's a pleasure. Thank you for having me. And happy birthday. I'm so glad that you're spending part of your birthday with me today. This is fantastic. It's amazing. It's amazing. It's amazing. Thank you. Thank you. I'm so very lucky. It's probably a little bit different of a celebration in a corona environment, but I really do appreciate you taking the time and having this chat with me. And I think it's going to be a lot of fun. I think so, too. <laughs> <laughs> well, it better be. It better be. <laughs> So before we jump into the questions, you know, this is, um, this podcast has been great because it's been really global and the listeners are really from all over the world and they're always interested in the different markets of the guests that I interview. And Miami is obviously such a great brand globally. Can you just yeah. give a little bit of an overview on the Miami market from your viewpoint, but really from an incredible viewpoint, because this is your hometown, you're born and raised there. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I was born and raised in Coconut Grove, Florida, which is right in the city of Miami. Never left. I'm very happy to be here. I've watched this city evolve in my last now 44 years <laughs> um, as of today. And uh, watching just the whole dynamics of obviously being like the hub of South America, which we get so many buyers and sellers subsequently here in Miami. Um, has really elevated it in the last, I would say, about mm, 12 years, um, and it's consistently growing. Um, my father, he was uh, back in the day pre-boom. Um, he taught me so much about the business, and he was specifically interested in buying luxury um, homes and being and developing them, so he got me into it at a very young age, so I'm grateful for that. And just watching this dynamic market move and the way it's shaped and formed and the just even the the skyline has just changed so many in so many ways in the last you know twelve years it's incredible so um, I think Miami is a great place to be at overall we have fantastic obviously year round temperatures um, and tax wise it's great uh, people we have a multicultural you know just melting pot which people is you know you have all different people from different parts of the world here and it's just you know i i call it home and i think a lot of people do as well and they will enjoy it you know you know it's amazing because uh you know we met in miami i lived in miami for many years and i still have a home there uh, yes. you know it certainly is like my second uh uh home but you know it, it holds a special place in my heart because I started my real estate career in Miami, as you well know. And it's interesting to me because Miami is such, as you say, an incredibly cultural, diverse city. Like, you know, Lincoln Road, for the sake of those that don't know, it is a pedestrian street in the middle of Miami, and it's probably about four blocks long. And as you walk from one end of it to the other, easily you could hear over a dozen languages. And it, it's so dynamic and beautiful. Yes, yes. And it's and it's interesting to see now how um, Miami Beach used to be that, which is where Lincoln Road is located at, is used to be like the end all. But now it's really expanded into the Brickell Market, which is yes. on the mainland of Florida. 
of Miami, excuse me. And then now coming into my territory, which is now really Coconut Grove, they love the quaintness. So, and Coral Gables. So they've all kind of started exploring different areas of the Miami market because there's so much to offer in different things in different areas. So it's just been very dynamic to see, really. And, you know, and you know, you mentioned your dad and, and your whole family, really. I mean, you are really just uh, Miami sort of uh, real estate royalty. <laughs> uh, you know, for those of you, the, uh, your family uh, it also owns Joe's Stone Crab, which yeah. uh, is probably one of the most um, uh, successful restaurants in the United States, which is amazing. Mm -hmm. uh, certainly my favorite place. And, uh, but your dad, Max Sandwich, he was just a real estate mogul. I mean, it was, you know, I, I had the great pleasure of really knowing him. He was a client of mine early on. It's really where we first met almost 20 years ago. Mm -hmm. and, um, I know, isn't it crazy? It's been it's crazy. Years, Murphy. It's, it's, it's insanity. So was, was your dad the person that got you interested in real estate in the beginning? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It, it was. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I don't know how many yeah. stories we can tell about your dad on the podcast, but. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll leave those out. But uh, <laughs> um, he was uh, quite the the force to be reckoned with um and still to this day a lot of people uh, mention him and a lot of different articles and interviews that i do um he really had the foresight of buying before the boom and he gobbled up pretty much everything he could um i would say in oh two right oh three yeah um absolutely. so i mean you know what a visionary he was indeed and he told me in about oh two listen you know i was in another industry, which was yeah. hospitality. Um, and he working 17 hours a day, six days a week. And he said, look at, you know, <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I think you can make a lot more money and spend a little and, and have a life. <laughs> Don't know if that's true to say, but have a little <laughs> bit more of a life at least than working in that industry. It sounded good at the time. Sounded really great at the time, um, and we're and we'll have so much fun while we're doing it, right? So I, of course, said, "Great!" So I got my license, and he said, "Great! Now you're going to go get your broker's license." Great, went and got my broker's license. So um, him and I had M Group Realty uh, for about four, almost till when he passed, which was oh eight. Yeah. Um, but boy, was he right! We had a lot of fun. Um, we had quite the interesting. Um, dynamic because I was always no dad you can't do that no mercy you're gonna do it <laughs> um but Listen, I, I used to say the same things to your dad it didn't work for me either he says no Michael you are gonna do this yeah it didn't I, work for me it wasn't gonna work for you trust me no no it, it didn't work for any of us and he <laughs> seemed to always come out on top <laughs> um and was never licensed, so he didn't get in trouble, and neither did us, thank God. <laughs> but uh, he was such a um, visionary, even on his architectural ideas. Um, I have a book of his still, uh, which I will, you know, I'm going to try to share with all my agents one day digitally of just the things he did and the stain from the stainless steel kitchens to the poor concrete floor staining to staining houses to the fish ponds to all these different things that people try to replicate now. But, you know, so yes, he was the force to make me go into this business, but it was not, um, I think it was not uh, by force. I think it was something that I now love and appreciate and I'm glad he 
made me go off that ledge. That's well, you know, it, it, it was your destiny, you know, but you didn't destiny. start that way. As you mentioned, you were in the hospitality group. You were with Opium yes. group for five years, which ran literally the top nightlife venues in Miami. And, you know, you know, I thought about this the other day and looking back, it was probably the best uh, training ground for you because it was, you probably had the most powerful contact list in the city, right? right. Everyone was calling you for the best table or the best thing or whatever. And, you know, you were like the go-to person. So it was, it, it was for me, I thought it was really interesting, but I wanted to hear from you. What similarities do you think existed between the nightclub industry and the real estate industry that you were right. able to capitalize on aside from the obvious of the clientele? Right. Yeah. No, the, well, yeah, the obvious is the clientele. Um, I think what I capitalized coming right out of college um, and jumping right into that business was really um, made me learn so much at such a, such a young age um, and getting exposed to all those different types of people, right? Uh, <laughs> and walk, different walks of life, right? And be, between my 250 staff that I ran to all the different clientele coming in through the club at night. Um, mitigating those issues, dealing with, you know, any types of claims. I mean, obviously you can imagine um, a nightclub, you have all different types of people. <laughs> Some people fall, they sue you. They taught me so much about business, right? Sure. And um, which really helped me run my own business at the end of the day, but um, also taught me customer service um, and that the customer is typically always right. Um, at least we got to make them feel that they are. <laughs> 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 um, but, uh, being that, you know, in that world, uh, just really made me also appreciate, um, dealing with the difficult challenges of nightclubs and the people inside of them. And that kind of life is not exactly, it's not exactly the same as real estate, but I have, I know how to problem solve so much more effectively because of those experiences. And that's what real estate is really all about is being that solutions, hashtag solutions driven. That's one of our CEPs at Compass. But, um, you know, being that solutions driver is really super important in real estate, whether you're selling or now in my position as the managing broker, I have to always be finding that solution and that common ground. And I think that really kickstarted it for my career. You know, I would sort of think similarities also came in from the fact that, you know, your nightclubs were the most expensive in Miami. So yes. you already had a, you know, a, a sort of barrier to entry. So you knew that your clientele was a wealthier clientele. And mm -hmm. so it sort of prepared you for the luxury market that you really excelled yeah. in as well, because that's what your dad really invested in. And I, yeah, and I knew how to handle those kind of people appropriately yeah. too. Precisely, <laughs> which is a different art form, isn't it? Yes, yes, because yeah. you know you can be um, you can be the best in the business, but if you don't know how to handle those type of clientele and know when to push and when to pull, it, it, you know it's it, it, you'll lose that client. Um, and also, you have to really know what you're doing. They don't want somebody who just they want somebody who's knowledge driven, data driven. You know, has the stats, has the personality. You got to kind of have it all, and that's who I see. You know, that's who, that's how I excelled. And now I sit back and I kind of watch my agents excel and, and they, they have it all. They, they don't have one. They got it all. Because <laughs> you need to, right? Because that's right. sort of like what you build the trust in that because there's so much information. The client can find out a lot of stuff on the internet. They don't need us for that. Yeah. They, need to, they need us as that trusted advisor to sort of say, should I do this and tell me why? 
which right. you can't get on the internet. You need to get that from someone who's got the 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 uh, experience and really the understanding of the marketplace in order for that to happen. One hundred percent, and also the you know the ultra luxury clientele they don't want to feel like they're. Um, uh, what's the word like the, that you're like trying to hard sell them right like you, you know you have to be very delicate in the way you're you're doing it they they don't you know the last thing you want to hear out of one of their mouths is oh it's just a commission to you because then you know you've not done your job i mean you know you want to be like no you deserve this commission because you have done up and beyond and you've given me the right knowledge in this situation and to make the correct purchase price or the correct sale price you know so it's really tough. I mean, and, but I did weave it in appropriately. Um, I was never one of those hard salesperson and sometimes I would walk away and they'd come back and, you know, it's just, and, a, you know, it, yeah, no, it really is. It's sort of, uh, it, it's that whole thing. And, you know, and, and, um, we sort of learned it the hard way where it was the idea of being that advisor, right. And you mm -hmm. had to, you had to earn your your place at that table for that client because you know we were dealing with people that were worth hundreds of millions of dollars and right. you know you're sitting there and you know their attorney their financial advisor um all of those folks had a place at the table and yeah. you, we were pretty damn sure that it was going to be us as well because we were advising that clientele not only on that miami property purchase but how would that Miami, Miami property purchase uh, affect the rest of their global holdings? There were very few people having that conversation. And so those were, I think, really great training grounds that were um, wonderful for the early start in the Miami market, especially. Oh, yeah. No, so invaluable. I can't replicate it today, that's for sure. And I think that... Uh, you know, when you look at somebody's portfolio, you have to really say, okay, so you have the house in San Jose, you have this in New York, you have this in, you know, um, you know, wherever, you know, England, you have a flat, you know, and then you say, okay, so in Miami, like how much time, you know, you got to be smart about it. How much time are you going to spend here? How, you know, so you got to kind of figure it out. And they appreciate that because I don't think a lot of people ask those questions. And that's precisely it. That's the point of differentiation, right? Yep. Yep. 100%. You know, and I'm going to go back to your dad just for a second. And this is not an interview about your dad, but he, he was so he was so such an incredible figure in both of our lives. You know, and you know, he never, as you said, he never took no for an answer, and he always found a way to get to that yes, right? And you know, he was definitely one of my mentors early on. And um, I wonder what specific lesson you can remember now that he taught you that really remained with you to this day. Um, I think the first lesson, and I think it will always stick in my head, um, is I went to a really prestigious um, high school uh, called Ransom Everglades, which is eh, probably one of the top three in the country still to this day. Um, and obviously comes with a very large price tag. And he taught me something at a very young age, um, at 16, in fact, and I could, he, I don't know how he figured out how to get me the job at 16, but he did because again, he didn't take <laughs> no for an answer. Um, and he would literally, while my friends pulled off of the lots at 16 and I would do, um, you know, extracurricular activities. I obviously was, uh, I was into water polo and swimming quite a bit and, and softball and any type of sport. I love sports growing up. 
Um, and after I finished that part, am I still, you know, he would make me walk across the street to a local restaurant that's still here today called Green Street, and I would be a bus girl. And I literally would bus tables after school and on the weekends. And I mean, I kicked and cried and screamed doing it. Obviously, you can only imagine as my friends were probably eating there, I'm busing their table, literally not being a waiter, busing it. Right. And I would come home in tears, like almost because I'd get kind of nagged on. And he said, and I said, Dad, why are you doing this to me? And I go, it's not, you know, like, I need it, right? The money. <laughs> and, and he says, you know what, Mercy, you're going to learn what it is to take to what it is to buy a tube of toothpaste. So I think from a young age, that really taught me and ingrained in my brain that you have to work hard. It, it doesn't anybody who gets into this business and thinks that you're just going to, you know, make it, quote unquote, just because you have a real estate license is not the case. He never treated me differently as his daughter versus his partner at all. I'd have to work equally as hard, maybe not financially because he had the money, obviously he had the finances down, but I would yeah. work hard. So I think that was the best lesson. And I think anybody, if they could give that to their kid, no matter how wealthy or how, you know, you know, whatever price, whatever means of lifestyle you live in, that really builds them for the future. And I, and I think that's why I don't mind working the crazy hours because I know that that hard work pays off at the end of the day. It's just a very true statement. And I see it. I see that people that succeed are, they're very hard workers. They don't get there for free. You know, it's not an easy ride. So that's a beautiful yeah. lesson. It's a great gift. He gave you, he gave you the gift of humility, right? It teaches you so many different things. And, <laughs> and, and, and during the crash, we learned a lot more. And <laughs> no kidding. No kidding. Didn't we though? Yes. Right. And, and I, and I'm very respectful of money now because of all those things. And, you yes. know, it's, it's just, you know, I think, you know, that was the best thing he could have ever given me. Oh, so. That's beautiful. So, you know, you did mention that you had your own brokerage company for five years, the M yes. group. And I had, I had a question. How did it differ from you being an owner of your own brokerage to working for somebody else? And I know you've done both. Right. And I was curious as to what the differences for both of those might be for you. Well, for me, you know, I know a lot of people think that you can do it. Um, it. It was, look, while my dad was around, it was a great experience owning my own company um, with him. And we had, you know, obviously a financial advantage of the commissions and the splits and all that stuff. But let me tell you, as an agent in a day-to-day it gave me no structure. Number one, I had to look over other people. I had to pay E and O. I had so many expenses. You have to pay rent. There's so many things that going into owning your own brokerage. Now, was it a great experience? Absolutely. I would never take it away. And I, what? Well, I mean, for the last oh, it's now almost two years, I've been on the managing management side of Compass. But am I so much happier? being an agent at a company, 100%. And why? I don't have to worry about all those things and you can focus in on your business. So, and also people keeping you accountable, which is, you know, I couldn't, it's hard to keep, it's very difficult to keep yourself accountable for me. It was, so when I went over into, you know, EWM, which I worked with your ears and I mutual good friend, which is Beth Butler, um, you know, she really, kept me accountable and kept me in gear, which was super important to my career. And I attribute that a lot to her because she kind of checked, checked on me. You know, she made me, you know, she made, she made me do business plans. I hate business plans, but you know what? Everybody should do a business plan. I, um, I, that's my mantra. Absolutely. She kept you accountable. Right. She kept me accountable. So I think, you know, it, although it was super nice 
to get those 100% commission checks, it all had a price at the end of the day. So it doesn't matter if you're going into, if you have your own brokerage and you're on the fence, I would say one, and you're not like a huge, you know, you're not like a Berkshire or whatever. I'm not talking about those. I'm talking about boutique, right? I mean, and you think that you're in a rut. I mean, I would say, go look at other companies, talk to them about merging with them. They will help you grow your business. Um, And and even though you may say, oh, but they're going to take 20% of my money. Listen, you're already paying that and more, by the way. You're probably paying 50%. You don't even realize it. But, you know, so I think now working for somebody else, I think I would never, even if I, let's say tomorrow I go back to general sales, I would never go open up my own firm. I I am very happy working with, whether it was with Sotheby's, I was with for numerous years, as you know, as an agent. And I was with, I was a founding agent at Compass super happy to be with them and you know all worth my my split at the end of the day see and i think that that's really an interesting way to look at things and a great piece of advice for those that may have their own boutique firm now when you start looking at the expenses you know at the end of the day every single agent is their own business we're all independent contractors everyone's the ceo of their own company so the fact that you have a brokerage company multiplies that in so many different ways yes yeah, it's, it's very important. And they, it, you, I think it's that old saying, when you're in the forest, you can't see the trees kind of thing. Right. <laughs> um, yeah. And you can't, right? When you're, in that, when you're in that moment. But now that I look back upon it, I, I, I know I was spending way much more between my time and money than you know, the, the splits that I got at the subsequent brokerages I was with, which wasn't many, but you know, it was... So- it, well worth it. <laughs> yeah. So you were mentioning that uh, Beth made you accountable when you worked with her. And now you are the managing broker for Florida for Compass. You have yeah. hundreds of agents to oversee. Yeah. Now you have to make other people accountable. How do you motivate those hundreds of agents? <laughs> well, I won't tell it you all the came way. Back full circle, <laughs> it? it all came back full circle for you. It, it, it came back all full circle. Um, learned. <laughs> so much from Beth too. And she's my mentor, um, subsequently after my father. Um, and I'm such a lucky girl to have her in my life. Um, even as my, one of my closest friends like you, um, but it did come back full circle as we all know it does, Michael. Um, (laughs) so, um, keeping them, so keeping them accountable is really tough. Uh, some of them actually are like when I motivate them and I get them in this zone, it's so easy. Like whether it's, you know, okay, I want you to take a look at what you've done this year. You know, look at this number. And I show it to them and I go, you're better than that. And they're like, you're so right. And like, they, oh my God, you know, I, even most of the top brokers, some of them don't want to look at their numbers. So they're superstitious, whatever. I make them look at it and they're, I'm like, you're, you know, you can do more than this. They're like, absolutely. Whether another thing that we do is that I do, and we have it instituted across Florida, at least for Compass is, um, we have one-on-ones with our agents once a month for 30 minutes. We have quarterly business plans. Um, and then we have agent experience managers that work underneath us that help us also keep them accountable. So we have so many layers of accountability that if they run, you can't hide from us kind of thing. <laughs> and that ultimately motivates them because, and right, salespeople are na- naturally competitive, um, that's just the reality of it. I know Absolutely. 
was a salesperson for 17 and a half years. Um, we all want to be better than what, you know, the last, what it, what's the old saying? If you're only as good as your last sale. Um, so I always tell them that, and I always knock them down a little bit to only bring them back up just so that they don't get too big for their britches and their brain, because that second that you can get that ego out of control, then it takes over their life. So I kind of like dial them back a little bit, especially my direct reports. Now I deal with other escalations across the state, obviously, but with my coconut grove and coral gables agents, because I have a few hats at compass, that's how I handle them. And we build their businesses this way. I mean, I had an agent. He was doing about 120,000 when I had, when I got him, and now he's clearing close to 600,000 a year. I love that story. So, I mean, just from that one guy, and then, I mean, it goes, look, I love those success stories because it also, it's like that customer service in me that gives me the little goosebumpies and says, oh my God, like, this is so great. This is exactly why I do it. You know, every- Validation, right? Yeah. I mean, I think that, I think, I think it's the check-ins. I think it's the constant reminders that we're here for them. I mean, even in these times right now with COVID, the amount of um, virtual, you know, Compass was very much set up for this and I'm not doing the plug for Compass, but we are so virtual uh, with, you know, the blue jeans and all these different things that we have going on. Um, we do the, we, the one-on-ones have not stopped. In fact, they've increased. They're probably going to kill us one day because we talk to them too much now but they i think they love it and i think it's really important they know we're there for them and we're here to motivate them and keep them in check so i think it's that's the motivation is tough but it's you know it's a little tough love sometimes i guess i get that from my dad too but um (laughs) uh but i think they respond well to it and keeping it real you know and I love the fact that you have all of them do a business plan. I mean, that is just amazing because you need quarterly, to know who you quarterly, are. Quarterly, quarterly. fantastic. Yep. That is fantastic. So, um, you know, what's the greatest piece of advice you would give somebody entering the business now? You've had so much experience. You came from a real estate family. You had some great mentors. Yep. What sort of advice would you give somebody coming into the marketplace now? So I think there would be two, um, and let's take COVID out of it because this yeah, could be um, played at another time. So um, my first piece of advice to any agent coming into the business is make sure you have a year of savings to live off of. Um, you don't want to be that, you want to be hungry, but you don't want to be desolate, right? So right. you know, at least have a, a year to live off of money where you don't have to worry about the basics, right? Rent, food, electricity, water, you know, all that kind of stuff, right? Um, if you don't have that, then maybe, I mean, at least have six months um, because you don't know, everybody again comes into this business and thinks they're just gonna get that $30,000 check out the gate. Not always the case. So that's my first piece of advice. My second piece of advice is, is you gotta get, whether it's a CRM or if it's a spreadsheet of your own, if you can't afford a CRM, is get your contacts and your SOI, your sphere of influence in line. Why? Because I say 90% of all your business is gonna come from your cell phone. So you better get that really cleaned up, how you met them, where you met them, um, so you know how to contact them also when to tell them that you've entered the business. And I think that actually I'll give you one last one. And this came from my dad. So I'll throw a little sugar for my dad is when I got into the business, this was such a painful thing he made me do, but I, I swear it made 
the difference of the world is he made me call the top 25 brokers in Miami and introduce myself. I love that one. And you know what? It made a huge difference when I did a deal with them. They remembered that phone call. They still remember that phone call to this day. I love that one. Yep. Do you remember the one that, uh, that uh, our mutual friend who I started working in the business with would teach that you would always do any offer in person? Yes. And so I had met, because it's much harder for someone to say no to you in person than it is on the phone. And it was, uh, and I love that one because that one got me out one yeah, I forgot into about the that community <laughs> really quickly, right? And so all of our major competitors, because obviously we were all playing in the same luxury field. So, you know, there was 10 of us that had the listing in the market that we were playing in. And so it was really early on where it would be, I have an offer for you. It'd be like, great, what is it? Uh, what time are you available for me to come over and sort of give you the person? <laughs> yes. And they'll be like, no, just tell me. I'm like, no, it's not. No. <laughs> and so it was like, but it got everyone known. And even if you didn't do that deal, you created a relationship. Right, right. And that's what it's all about. Because remember, with all the agents that you're dealing with, you're gonna, you're gonna be in a relationship with them. Of course. And, and your clients, by the way. And that's why I do the follow up factor with my agents is, you know, you're always in these relationships, say for 90 days with these clients, and then you drop them like a, you know, that's it. And I said, no, you need to keep following up with them. They're going to, why? Yeah, they're going to give you leads. But it's the same thing. It's if you create that relationship, whether it's with that other broker and the owner and you're sitting there and you're presenting the offer in a proper manner. I mean, nobody does that, by the way, Michael, nobody anymore. Um, I know. I mean, I now they can't, right? The second, well, because then they're going to say, you're going to give me Corona and get out of here. <laughs> but, um, you know, maybe, you know, listen, I love the, the, you know, maybe do a virtual, you know, offer sure. presentation. No. I mean, I, I think there's a cup, one agent that I know of that still does it sometimes if it lends itself, but that person would never take no for the answer. He would always go and do it in person. And it was incredibly powerful. It is, it is. You know, and it's something that you're right. Nobody does now because everyone is so busy, but it is, it makes a difference. It was um, exponentially. If I look back at what my career, when I was selling real estate, the uh, percentage of closing a deal that you presented in person was so much higher. And that even includes when I was, you know, when even when your dad was a client of mine, even then that actually was, I mean, I think he insisted on it where it would be like, you know, go present, go meet with them. And, right. you know, and it was one of those that, you know, it just was exponentially so much, uh, so much higher close rate that was, uh, it was just amazing. So I like that one. So those yeah. are really great, uh, great pieces of advice. So thank you for that. Of course. Uh, <laughs> I want to shift a little bit. I want to shift about your philanthropic effort. You know, oh. as you, um, as I mentioned earlier, obviously your family is really very well known in Miami, very well respected. Um, but you know, your, 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 you, your family, everybody is so incredibly philanthropic. In fact, you know, you're the one that got me on the board of Mount Sinai Hospital many, many <laughs> yes. years ago. Yes, uh, yes, yes, yes. Yeah. That was fun serving on the board with you. And I think you're, you're probably still on that board. I'm not quite sure. But tell me a little bit about your philanthropic work, Merce. 
Yeah. So obviously I, well, I was a past member and then I was a founding member. I was um, on the board of trustees for Mount Sinai and that kind of burned me out a little bit because it is a lot of work. We know that. Um, sure. I love it though. You, you know, it's just, it is very rewarding and any type of, um, you know, any work you do for the community. Um, I've shifted a little bit more now. I do kind of smaller charities. I work, I work with Honey Shine organization, which is, um, also affiliated with the um, Overtown Youth Center, which is Alonzo Morning and Tracy Morning's foundation. Sure. Um, so we give the some underprivileged girls like the chance to go to camp and you know basketball and all this stuff, which is great for them. Um, which should be shifting again to over the summer, maybe a little more virtual. But we provide lunches and stuff like that, and backpacks for back to school. So it's really, you know, really amazing um, group of people that they have. And also I work with Global Empowerment Mission, which is Michael Capone's group. Um, when the Bahamas were hurt, it really hit me hard. That was like my play, my backyard, um, being a Miamian. Um, that is our backyards where the, the Cat Five just sat over them for days. Um, we raised over, I think it ended up being almost $15,000 in two days, wow. um, to donate to them, um, which was really, uh, like my spearheading along with compass actually did help me out with that. Um, so I was super grateful for that one. And I still, I am still working with them, uh, with feed America for now and feeding South Florida specifically. Um, and donating as much as we can for time to packing up stuff for hand sanitizations for the under, uh, you know, the people that just can't afford it and the homeless. So um, that's kind of like where I've been focusing on the little micro um, orgs opposed to the big boys. <laughs> yeah, but just sort of staying close to home and you're making it uh, a difference because it's what you yeah. know and what you and who you know i mean you know michael capone has done such a great job and you know oh. another friend of ours for 20 years and yeah. you know he's he's so amazing with you know the calling that he felt that he had and really sort of dropped everything and became like this philanthropic uh machine yeah. and what he's done has just been so beautiful starting with you know haiti and dominican Republic yeah. and you know the bahamas as you mentioned and anytime there's a there's a hurricane or a natural disaster that's anywhere near florida you know i know he jumps right in it's beautiful what he's done and so wonderful that you are helping as well yeah i mean you know it's it's he's and he's just a dear friend also yeah. through the whole you know hospitality years and knowing him i've known him god i've known him since we were 15 we used to surf oh my <laughs> lord when i used to surf <laughs> <laughs> to go to war beers with him but yeah he's a great guy good heart good soul and just I, I i do like to help him out a lot because i know he really i, I know where the money is going right so yes. it's not like these big like you know you know listen red cross is amazing and i mean look anything you can do for it, anybody is great but look into your community and go that way i think it's just so much more um then you know where who in what is getting impacted i think that is just super important i think which well you know where your efforts are going right you know right. where where you you see it because you're living in the community and you see the difference that you're making in a very real sense yes yeah, yeah. i love it <laughs> i know so now we're going to get to the fun one this is always a great question that i ask a lot of my guests and um and it has to do with legacy and i want to know 
What's the legacy you'd like to leave behind? I know that you already have a lot of it to, to, uh, to try to sort of fill into, but, you know, as I said, your family is just so well known and uh, done so much uh, for the South Florida community. Um, but tell me how you'd like to continue that legacy. Um, you know, I think leave, if I could leave one thing behind is just to be honest for everybody, to be honest with each other <laughs> in this business. It, honesty and truthfulness is just so important. Um, as you know, and you have to balance it with good business senses, like how to run your business correctly. Um, but in my book, you know, the truth hurts, as we know, a lot of the times and, and calling that client or dealing even with me calling an agent and telling them that something's not right or they're not doing this right is really tough. But I think being truthful in this environment and any in any business is really just the key to success. Um, so if I could leave that behind and for all my agents and my colleagues to be honest and truthful, I think I, then I did my job um, and ethical. <laughs> is very my keyword always yes. be ethical um and you know as far as making an impact um you know just love each other you know just you know be and i think that's just the way it should be i think that you know you love what you do love who you work with be honest be truthful i i think it works itself out and you just know that there's always there's always a solution it's just you know i think that would be my legacy if i could leave it behind well, I think you've already done that. You've done that with me for sure over the twenty-year friendship that we've had. You've, uh, you're, you're, you know, you're, you're family to me. You, uh, your, your mom calls me her other son. I mean, it's just, uh, it's just a beautiful thing. So, Mercy, thank you for the conversation. Thank you for being on the program and for having this talk and really just for sharing your story. I really appreciate it. Oh, thank you, Michael. You're my buddy, and anytime. This is wonderful. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. And happy birthday again. Go and enjoy. <laughs> I don't know how you. much you can enjoy, but hopefully you and Steve will do something special. Uh, uh, yes, 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 <laughs> yes. Mini Zoom, mini Zoom cocktail parties. <laughs> yeah, this is great. <laughs> and, um, and thank you for all of you for listening. This has been the Global Luxury Real Estate Mastermind with me, your host, Michael Valdez. Thank you all very much. Mm -hmm.